Are you ready to witness greatness? NFL fans, welcome to the largest tailgate party in the nation. Let's go! Different day, same recipe. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. We're setting you up with the information you need to watch your team win. Victory is the end game. We're here to break it all down. Let's go, let's go. This is... Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Now, we're live from your tailgate. Here's Brian No. Everybody, what's up? Let's talk some ball over here. By the way, new users, download the BetMGM app today and use code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. That's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. We'll be talking NFL with Bill Krakenberger here in a few minutes. Sports handicapper from crackwins.com. Let's dive into some college football with Jared Smith. He's the lead betting analyst from PicksWise.com. First off, though, Jared, before we highlight a couple of these matchups, it is a zesty college football slate. You talk about ranked versus ranked. A plethora. Where we have five ranked versus ranked. It is a beautiful weekend of college football here. Absolutely, Brian. I'm really excited. I think this is the first week. It's like, you know, you really start to see the, the, the pretenders and the contenders really separate themselves. So one interesting note too: 15 remaining undefeated teams, but they're not all created equal. You, re- you really see the Ohio States, the Georgias really separating themselves in the numbers compared to a team like a Coastal Carolina or an Oklahoma State that's also undefeated. So while the wins might be the same, the way that these teams get there is not the same. And that's where the that's where the narratives start to play a factor. Absolutely. And shame on me. Six ranked Mm. versus ranked games, six of them, including two in the top 10. Right. So let's start off with that, Jared. We've got number three, Alabama against number six, Tennessee. You have a a strong feeling on this game as far as the spread goes. Tennessee, a seven point home dog. The total at BetMGM is 65 and a half. What are your first impressions about this game? Yeah, so this one opened Bama minus eight. We we saw some sharp money come in on the Vols early, and it pushed this down to seven. I got in at seven and a half. This is actually, you know, we're taping this on a Thursday. This is really my only bet of the week so far. I'm sure before we hit air on Saturday morning, that will change. But it, the early portion of the week, I didn't see a ton of things that I liked, especially with these bigger games that are getting a lot of attention. This game getting a ton of attention. And I think the market is half-baking in Bryce Young playing here. I think the next move with the line, we might wake up and when we're doing the show Saturday morning, this might be six and a half or six. And I think that would indicate Bryce Young maybe not 100% or maybe not playing. I think if Bryce Young doesn't play, this line will continue to drop. Now, Alabama's owned this series. Nick Saban, 11-4 and four against the number, against the Vols, 5-1 and one in the last six. But... This is the first time the spread's been in single digits since 2007. So that's telling me the market thinks this game is going to be a lot closer than these previous blowouts where Alabama in the last two meetings have outscored the Volunteers 100-41. to Again, this has been the most one-sided rivalry uh, during this time period post-Peyton Manning. Alabama's won 15 straight over Tennessee. Only two of those games decided by less than two touchdowns. And the Vols, just in general, when they manage up, haven't played well. 0-11 in the last 11 meetings against Georgia and Bama, losing by an average of 30 points combined. So I I think this is a 
you know, we state we use that word statement game all the time. This is a, a program defining kind of game because the the Vols program has been trending in a very negative direction against these big boys in the SEC. They have an opportunity at home. Alabama's a little weaker than in prior years to maybe make a statement and and move this program in a in a positive direction. Man, there are just so many layers to this matchup. I swear we could do two hours on it alone, Jared. <laughs> and I think the main matchup is Tennessee's offense against Bama's defense. And Hendon Hooker has been tremendous. You look at what Tennessee was able to do last week against LSU, racked up over 500 yards of offense, 263 yards on the ground, playing some smash mouth. And you also have that up-tempo Tennessee offense, which sometimes gives – Alabama fits so I totally understand the Bryce Young aspect is he going to play how effective will he be because Jalen Milrow doesn't look like that guy to head into Tennessee based on what we saw last week with the three turnovers by him four turnovers altogether by Alabama and the turnover differential has been a huge thing Bama is on the minus side they're minus five this year so I so many things to watch but I would just start with Tennessee's high-powered offense which Nick Saban said might be the most talented in the country going up against that Bama defense. I can't wait to see how that plays out. Yeah, and we'll see if Cedric Tillman comes back this week. Uh, that's huge. To me, this is a very talented Vols wide receiver group, even without Tillman. Hyatt, McCoy, Keaton all putting up good numbers this year. You add Tillman to the mix, and it's four guys with big play explosive potential. This is a strength-on-strength matchup. The Vols are fourth in offensive efficiency in the country. Alabama fourth in defensive efficiency. Now, the one thing I will say, Alabama has been susceptible to some of these big play receivers. That's why Tillman's health is huge. Xavier Worthy, five for 100 yards, and that was without Quinn Ewers for you know Texas. Evan Stewart last week of A&M mm-hmm. with a young quarterback, 8 for 106. They've been able to figure out ways to, you know, even bad quarterbacks to push the ball down the field with these elite wide receivers. So that is something to keep an eye on this week. Hendon Hooker is definitely the guy that can put the ball in the right place. Third nationally in yards per attempt. He's third in QBR, 10 touchdowns, no picks. If the season ended today, he's a Heisman finalist. Not a lot of people expected that. Mm-hmm. And really... The part of this handicap on the Vols offense that's even more intriguing is the trenches. Tennessee's generating a ton of movement. They're 21st in line yards created. They're fourth in, in, in stuff rate, meaning they gain positive yards on most plays. They don't get stuffed in the backfield. That sets up second, third, and, and manageable. The Bama defense, obviously, is fantastic. Top 25 across the board in all of those metrics. Opportunity rate, line yard, stuff rate. So I, I think that's the matchup within the matchup. Can Alabama's defense get pressure on Hendon Hooker, force him to make inaccurate throws? Can the Tennessee running game, which is been pretty effective this year top 15 in efficiency can they set up third and short and can and can the, the, that wide receiver group with Tillman get healthy and and be explosive I think there's opportunities here for Tennessee to move the football that's why the total's in the 60s by the way before we get I'm dangling the carrot before we get to your Nittany Lions here oh, Jared boy. what's the number one reason you're so strong on Tennessee I'm just curious I'm asking you I'm not you know saying I think why I'm are you on Tennessee on, but what is the number Bryce one reason? Young not being 100 percent I I think it's fair to say that the initial line move off of seven and a half to seven is telling me that the market is not sold on Bryce Young being 100% in this game. Let's be honest. If Bryce Young's not 100% in this game and Alabama's wide receiver group already 
is, I would say, very subpar, especially when you consider who they've had in years past. And now you tell me that Bryce Young's on the lower end of the, you know, 50 to 75 percent healthy range. It just to me, this line's going to close beneath seven. We are going to continue to see Tennessee money into the market. So if I have a Tennessee plus seven and a half ticket that I bet early in the week, and in my mind, I'm thinking Bryce Young, not 100% on the lower end of that scale. The money continues to flow in. Well, now on Saturday, I have an option. I can either hold my 7.5 ticket, which is very valuable, or I can come back on Alabama minus 6.5 and, and hope the game lands 7, which about 10% of the games, maybe a little less than that, I think it's like 7 8% of the games in college football land on 7. And I can win both bets. So that's kind of my thinking there. It's not that I'm, you know, shoving my chips in the middle on Tennessee. I just, I know I'm going to get closing line value on that bet based on where the market is moving. All right, let's move to uh, number 10, Penn State against number five, Michigan. Michigan is seven-point favorite at home on BetMGM. The total is 51. Look, man, you're Nittany Lions, Jared. Running the ball, playing solid defense. And J.J. McCarthy, he mentioned this, the Michigan starting quarterback. He's like, we shouldn't be getting stopped offensively. They've got a lot of talent, and they haven't been producing as much as he thinks they should be. And, they, man, defense in a running game travels. And if you look at Manny Diaz, shout out to him as the defensive coordinator. Penn State has done a very good job. So your first impressions on this game, Michigan favored by seven against your Penn State. Nittany Lions here. I think the line is very fair. We did see some early love for Michigan. Um, It moved through seven to seven and a half. Once it got to that point, that's where the market reversed. We saw some Penn State sharp money come in, drove it back through seven, and it's kind of hovering in that range. I would say it's trending towards maybe going to six and a half. Again, I, I think all of the I have a few rating services that I trust that have been doing pretty well this year against the spread. For the most part, they're all painted in the six and a half, seven range here. So I think at seven, it's a very fair bet. And I don't think there's really value on either side of the spread. Situationally, I would say it's a good spot for Penn State. Off the bye, healthy. The Wolverines, to me, a little tough to really gauge how good they are because of the strength of schedule. They are winning games. They're 6-0 and for the second straight year, and they've done well in this matchup. They've won four of seven, and five of seven they've covered. So recently, in the Harbaugh era, Penn State has really struggled against Michigan. Now, I do think Michigan is, again, a very difficult team to handicap because they have one of the worst strength of schedules in the country. Their defense is elite, fifth in efficiency, seventh against the run, top 10 against the pass, but the schedule of offenses they face, Colorado State, UConn, Hawaii, Iowa, Indiana, all outside the top 90 in EPA per play. The one offense they face with a pulse, Maryland, top 25 EPA, they gain 400 yards and score 27 points. It, it, to me, I just it's really hard to say Michigan's defense is as good as they were last year with Hutchinson and Ajabo on the edge. They haven't faced anyone. The numbers are very good, but they have not faced anyone with a pulse. And the one time they stepped up in class, they got pushed around a little bit. It's all about the Penn State running game here. They were a, a bottom feeder team running the football last year, 108 rush yards per game. They have increased that almost double to 200 per game this season, despite average offensive line play. Singleton and Allen, the two freshman studs, the big reason why. Clifford's got a lot of experience. I trust him to make the right decisions, but I don't want him throwing the ball 40 times in this game. I want to rely on this Penn State running game to try to find some space. Now, on the other side of the ball, this is where the matchup gets very interesting because Manny Diaz has had this very blitz-happy scheme, and he's gotten a lot of pressure 
the Penn State Nittany Lions defense has gotten a ton of pressure this year, but they're 98th in sack rate. So the pressure's not getting home. How effective will that pressure be in this game when you have Blake Corum, to me, who's the, the, the crux of the offense? If I'm Diaz, I'm stacking the box, I'm sending pressure on passing downs against McCarthy, who hasn't really proved himself, and I'm making sure Blake Corum, the third leading rusher in the country with 11 touchdowns, doesn't beat me. We'll see how effective that is because, again, Penn State's pressure hasn't gotten home this year, but there's a lot of talent on that defense, no doubt. That's what I'm interested in, Jared, is you rattle off the numbers with Michigan's rush defense, and I get it. They're good, but you look at the offenses that they faced and the deficits that those offenses faced, right, when they're getting smoked by Michigan. Of course, they're not going to be running the ball. So it's like how legit is Michigan's rush defense? They're in the top ten. Like you mentioned, in rush yards allowed per game and yards per rush. But it's like when you're facing suspect offenses that are playing from far behind where they're forced to throw the ball, that might make your rush yards uh, given up look way better than what your rush defense actually is. I agree. And I, I think Penn State's defensive line is playing well. Tenth in line yards created, tenth in stuff rate. Now, you could say the same thing about the Nittany Lions, though. Their schedule of offense is Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, Central Michigan, Northwestern, all outside the top 40 in efficiency. The only team inside the top 50 is Ohio, 43rd. Everyone else outside the top 80, even Purdue that scored 31 points, is outside the top 80 in offensive efficiency this year. So the Neither team has really tested themselves. I know Penn State went to Auburn, tough SEC game, but Auburn is awful this year. I mean, Auburn's offense may be one of the worst in the country, certainly one of the worst in the SEC. So I just, I I struggle to make really tangible handicaps based off of the numbers because those numbers have been against really subpar opponents. And also when you have, in my opinion, Michigan offense, I, I would say of the, of the team, of the units, it, it's a weakness. And Penn State's defense, which is a strength, you get a lot of variance there. So I, I, I could see Michigan's offense pulling some, pulling some rabbits out of their hat and doing some things against tendencies because they haven't really faced any really strong opponents. And now they're really going to win. Maybe, maybe they've been saving the good plays for here. I, I, I don't know. But I, I think Manny Diaz's bunch is going to be tested here. I think there's going to be some wrinkles. I think J.J. McCarthy will see if he can push it down the field. I like what I saw from Ronnie Bell last week. Got, got healthy against Indiana. He's really the big game breaker. This is, see, that, that's the difference between this Michigan team and prior years. This Michigan team actually does have some game-breaking talent at skill positions, where last year they were more lines and, and the defensive you know, team. They actually have guys that can break the game open, and Penn State struggled. You know, they, they, they struggled in their one game against you know, some game-breaking players in Purdue. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Manny Diaz plays it, but if they're, if they're going to be outside the top 90 in sack rate and they're going to bring all this pressure, they're going to be susceptible to some big plays. All right, let's dive into this one real fast. Number seven, USC against number 20, Utah. Utah favored by three and a half against the undefeated Trojans. That raises some eyebrows right there with the betting public. But you think about this, man. You think about Utah, who's had USC's number at Rice-Eccles Stadium more times than not here. Last time USC won was back in... 2012 taking out that covid weird year where nobody was in attendance in 2020 so usc has not fared well at utah and but you look at utah last week jared you look at that defense zach charbonnet rushed for almost 200 yards dtr threw for almost 300 yards accounted for five total touchdowns 
that Utah defense did not look good at all last week, and you're going up against the high-powered USC offense. So what's your first impression in this one? Yeah, so talk about some crazy line movements. So over the summer, some of the sports books here in the desert will open up what they call game of the year. Unlike the NFL, where every game gets booked in the summer because of power ratings. In college football, it's a little murkier. So they will pick and choose the biggest games, and they will open those up in the summer for people to bet. This opened at one of the shops here in town at Utah minus 12. And so talk about a power rating shift since now, again, that's why Utah is not an underdog in this game, because they were such a heavy favorite in the summer because of what the power rating numbers look like over, you know, the, the, the off season that it, it's, it's really hard to flip the favorite here. Now you can make a case for USC to be favored. I mean, they've looked really good. However, the offense to me is starting to regress a little bit. Here you go. They've averaged 520 yards per game over the first three. Rice, Stanford, Fresno State. Averaged 400 in the last three. Oregon State, Arizona State, Wazoo. What do those teams have in common? Well, they're conference opponents. They have better defenses than the first three. And you're seeing now four, five, six weeks of this offense on tape with Cliff Kingsbury, some of the wrinkles, especially in the passing game, the route combinations, you know, defenses adjust. And I think good defenses, good defensive coaches, and that's what Utah certainly has, will adjust. Now, you're 100% right. Utah's run defense has been really bad this year. And that is a trouble spot because that was supposed to be a strength of their team. They're outside the top 80 in line yards created on the defensive side of the ball, outside the top 80 in opportunity rate. This is a Utah defense that can be run on. And I think that could be the key for USC. We love talking about, you know, Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, who's a little banged up. Mario Williams, who's coming off a two-score game. I mean, those guys could be number one receivers on any team in the country virtually, and they're on the same team here in L.A. But for me, it's the offensive line for USC, third in line yards created, and Travis Dye coming off a career-high 28 carries for a buck 50 and a touchdown, his fourth 100-yard game of the year. I think if USC wins this game and they go up to altitude and and get a victory, it's going to be Travis Dye left, right, and center. Has a ton of experience against this Utah team, played at Oregon. I think it's the offensive line and the running game that, you know, Caleb Williams – He's only making his 14th career start. This is not, it's still foreign territory for him. So I think the running game is really where USC should lean on in this spot. Interesting. Okay, before we get out of here, Jared, one random pick, right? I know you're on Tennessee, but you're leaning somewhere else. Where are you leaning here? Yeah, so we bet Colorado State last Friday. Um, and they got a win. They were able to get across the finish line, their first against the spread win of the year. Usually we like fading teams after big wins like that, but I think Colorado State was just a little undervalued after a really rough opening slate of the season. And now they get a home game in Fort Collins against Utah State, who was off a huge win over Air Force, arguably one of the bigger wins in, in recent program history, considering how good Air Force is this year. And I'm catching double digits with Colorado State. Listen, I know their numbers ain't nothing to write home about, but these letdown spots, especially for teams at home, I love when they're at home facing a team off a huge win and the other team's coming in with some confidence and then all of a sudden they fall flat. So I wouldn't be shocked if Colorado State kept things close again and maybe even was able to pull off a win against the Aggies this Saturday night. I like it, man. We'll have so much more on Saturday. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. 
three hours leading up to kickoff. So noon Eastern time. We're on from 9 a.m. until noon Eastern time. Much more uh, analysis, much more fun, many more picks as well. It's a huge weekend. Catch us then for sure. Hey, earn a $50 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. And in just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM, the king of sports books. All right, let's welcome in our guy, Bill Krakenberger, sports handicapper from crackwins.com. Let's talk some NFL crack. You got the Cowboys and Eagles circled. We're seeing the number tick up. You've got the Eagles favored around six, six and a half right there on BetMGM. Uh, what's your first impression on this game and where the line is? Hey, Brian, uh, the sixes are all disappearing. Looks like six and a pretty solid six and a half now. Uh, this line kind of surprised me. Went from five to six, and it, it kind of surprised me here that it was ticking up to six minus juice and now six and a half. Probably not going to go to seven. It's a key number, but if you can buy it to seven, Wow, this might be an option for me. I don't really do too many sides, as you guys know, but I don't know. Dallas is uh, playing pretty good, just like I thought they would right after Dak went down in that you know, 10-point line move we talked about from the look-aheads when Dallas played Cincy. Uh, they're they're on, a, on a roll here, winning, uh, winning uh, on the road uh, against the Rams and uh, in a game that they were you know, predict- predicted to lose. I just think that this is an old division rival, and and uh, I, I know Dak is not 100% healthy, and and, and uh, I'm, I'm sure he's not going to go uh, until the following. But even if he does, you know, this, this is now you have two quarterbacks that are that are worthy of being uh, called, uh, you know, professional great NFL quarterbacks because he's. Uh, we're looking at too many points here, I think, and and don't be surprised if this game doesn't tick down on on game day. So. Uh, looking at Dallas right here in this spot. Yeah, and the total stands out to me too, Crack, at 42. And you pointed this out. This is a trend in week week five here uh, where we're looking at these these numbers that are going down. We're in week six, but we've seen five weeks where the unders have been hitting steadily. Right, the unders at fifty-seven percent have hit yeah. this season. So yeah. you're seeing the Actually, market readjust. Do you like the overs more this week? Yeah, the, 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 you could see this week. I mean, just just look it up and down the board. You could see uh, literally starting with uh, Thursday night, uh, probably the lowest total of the year, looking at a thirty-eight on Chicago, uh, and then you just go on and on. Tampa, Pitt, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, New England, Jets, Baltimore, Minnesota. I'll just keep going here. San Fran. Carolina, Dallas, every one of those totals are in the low 40s. Uh, the bookmakers not going to they're not going to allow a trend to keep happening. So they're going to add they're going to take away a point here on every game and uh, hope it, you know, people start putting some mixed action. And though the bookmakers have probably won a lot of money with this under trend, public loves to bet over. So uh, this week I, I have circled some overs. I know I gave you guys we have we do a group chat on Monday morning and I give the guys some of the moves before they move. Um, not a lot of shows uh, out there in, on any network nationwide, worldwide can ever have uh, a team like we have uh, at, at, on our show that, that literally have the line moves and and uh, you know tell people what's going on in, in real time when we have the the weekend show also. So 
it's it's fun. It's been great, and I look to uh, in, encourage people to listen because what we're doing is educating the public too. We're showing them the the things that happen, the real live things that happen right before our eyes. I see these lines all now moving down, and I look to bet over on on, and I think the it returns to the mean with some of the overs this week. I do love the group chat where you have. Like you write now, like bet this now in all caps with like five exclamation points. That's my favorite part. But of these overs, you've circled a couple of them. What's your favorite over of the week right now? And before I get into that, isn't it such a high? You know, I'm doing this 30 years, but isn't it such a high? At the beginning when I was doing this the first decade, it was such a high when I actually send my buddies and my partners and, all right, guys, we're going to bet this exactly 10.01 a.m. And I would give them a countdown, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. And go would be capital <laughs> letters, exclamation points. And in three minutes or two minutes, they would see everyone move a full point. We're literally controlling the NFL market for the entire world. It's such a high. It's like, you know, it's like well, like a drug addict running for a drug. Half the high they get is running for the drug and the procedure of getting the drug more than, than actually taking the drug. It's But, but of course, our drug is, is money. And, and money, uh, we will make money being on the right side of the line. So it's really a high getting the uh, the best of the lines and 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 um, we'll we'll see that I gave you guys a couple overs early in the week and as the season goes on I'll get less market respect because there's so much the lines are so much tighter and there's so much more two-way action perfect example I gave you guys the Jets Green Bay over 44 and a half I think it was and it immediately went to 46 and a half and actually there was a couple 47s Immediately got bounced back down to 45 and a half now again. Still got the, the best of it by a point. Um, I, I, I kind of like that one still. I, 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 there is a couple 45s out there. Uh, I, I lean to the over in, in that game. And again, I hate anyone betting a bad line. So I don't want to give you something that's obtainable that I think is a, a good number. Um, uh, Tampa Pittsburgh. Um, also is at, at 44, which is still a, a, a good number, I think, to go over there. Um, I, I think Pittsburgh, finally, I think maybe Pickett will come around a little bit and learn from his his uh, his, his time that he has so far in the NFL. And um, you know, I, look, I look for uh, for for Brady to come around, too. He really didn't have a great game last week. They almost lost that game in the end after being up 21 nothing. So... Uh, look for some more points, even though uh, it, it, even though they haven't recently. Um, you know, when, when teams get ahead like that, that's why I like betting over. And I may just do that in the first half, Brian, because these teams that mm-hmm. get ahead, these yeah. big favorites that get ahead, maybe like a Tampa, they'll slow that clock down in the second half where I'm better off going over in the first half, which I didn't even send out to any of my people yet. But I, I think I'm looking at over first half, 21 and a half, 22 there. Yeah, I hear you on that one. That makes sense because, look, man. What we just saw the previous week doesn't always play itself out again the next week. A lot of times it goes the other way. But I can't help but think of the way the Bills started off against Pittsburgh. You got Gabe Davis catching these you know, length-of-the-field touchdown grabs pretty much. And then, like you said, they took their foot off the gas pedal at the end of the game, and Pittsburgh only scored three points. So, uh, yeah, a first half over might make even more sense. Tampa Pittsburgh than a full game over is that what you think 
Yeah, because I'll tell you. Now, even though I did bet the full game over, I'll probably bet more money on the first half over because of the reasons I said. Especially when you get an eight-point favorite, they're supposed to win by eight. means they should be up by maybe a double digit, up by ten. And they'll be doing a lot more running in that fourth quarter. Uh, but hopefully they, they went on their way to get that ten-point lead. They went over the 44 uh, or maybe even 39, 38. This way Pittsburgh can score maybe a backdoor touchdown or something and uh, you know, push, push it above the 44. But I like the first half overs only because you'll notice teams slowing the ball down that are ahead by more than one score in the, uh, late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. How about this one? Another great matchup crack. You got the Bills and the Chiefs. Of course, everybody remembers the last game where the the Bills had the lead with 13 seconds to go. <laughs> found a way to lose that overtime game so we get at least the week six rematch of that one in the divisional playoffs what do you think about bill's chiefs boy that's a that's supposed to be like when the scheduler made that game which is howard katz friend of mine actually um probably the most important job in the nfl uh is making that schedule he's got he's got a tough job there um, that Buffalo, Kansas City was, was supposed to be like the marquee great game. Uh, the, the, both teams have showed that they're human, that they can fail this season. So Kansas City losing to the Colts and uh, Buffalo, you know, coming out of the gate two and two, um, when, when, you know, after the big first week over the Rams. These teams are, are listen, this, this year, there's more parity this year than ever. I would not be betting any futures on the Super Bowl, by the way, under 10 to 1. I'm not this year anyone can win more than ever. So, um this is still going to be a good game. It's perfectly lined at two and a half and maybe even a, a 3. Uh I see MGM has a has a minus 3 even. This that's probably the right number, but uh, I, I look for this to be a really fun game to watch. Like I said, it, 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 this was supposed to be maybe like the game of the year here as far as the schedulers go, uh, you know, top two teams to to win the Super Bowl uh, playing each other here in week six. I'm, I don't have a side on this game. I noticed the total now as we speak at 54. Yeah. Boy, that's a heck of a lot of points, uh, especially yeah. in, a, in, in, a, in a year where uh, we have 57% unders. But uh, if any two teams can do it, the, these are the teams that are they supposed to be the offensive powerhouses. So this should be fun on uh, on a Sunday afternoon. It's an afternoon game, one twenty-five West Coast time. One more, I want to get your rapid-fire thoughts on the Broncos against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. And the last time we saw Russell Wilson and company, they were scoring nine points against the Colts on Thursday Night Football. They have not exactly unlocked their offense over there. What do you think about Denver going up against the Chargers defense? Been pretty leaky defensively as well. It's uh, four and a half the Chargers are favored by at BetMGM right now. This game is uh, opened at six, went down to four and a half, took and taking some Denver money. Uh, Denver has put up a couple clunkers this year. Even that TV game uh, that, that we're talking about, I think that was, was that 9-6, Brian, that score? 12-9. 12-9, okay, 12-9, yeah. but no touchdown scored. Is that right? That's right. Not That's one. Amazing. 12-9, uh, literally seven field goals in the game. Uh, <laughs> just a boring, boring uh, game. And you may get the same boring game here, uh, Chargers-Denver. I have nothing on this game right now. The total has, has stayed almost exactly the same, 45-and-a-half, 46, as where it opened. Uh, listen, People, you know, we have on Jason from BetMGM every week. 
people tend to love betting the, these primetime games uh, three times, four, three X, four X is the words he uses compared to the regular games. I don't know if this game will get three uh, X, four X volume out of it because of the two teams involved here. Um, I actually thought the Chargers were um, a good future bet. At, they were around twenty to one before the season started to to you know win the Super Bowl. Uh, they're they're probably twenty to one now, so obviously it, it wasn't that good of a bet. So, but I mean, we're, we're going to see what's going to happen here. Can they step up on on primetime TV and and do something? Hey, what did I say here? The Chargers eighteen to one. I'm just looking now. Um, this this should be a, a game that you know they have a chance to maybe step up a little bit. And even Denver, they know they were, uh, you know, they know they were they were kind of not that they're being booed in the press, but you know Wilson took some some heat uh, from a couple different angles here and, and a couple different people in media. One actually went after him, I think on ESPN, like right after the game, uh, kind of mm-hmm. went after him a little bit. I was pretty surprised. So we'll see what happens here. See if they could step up. Real fast, crack. Last one. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this one. Vikings at the Dolphins. Dolphins are a three and a half point home underdog. No Tua, no Teddy Bridgewater. They're both still in concussion protocol. So you get Skylar Thompson. And you know as well as I do, crack, there are a lot of bettors that will say, oh, they're down to their third string quarterback. Bet the Vikings all day, all day. And hey, that might be the right side. But there are a lot of sharp bettors that take advantage of a situation like that with a home dog and might ride with Miami. Do you have a lean either way between the Vikings and Dolphins this Sunday? Yeah, this this game moved from uh, open to three, went to three and a half quickly. And now you're right. It's probably some of the sharper money coming back. There's only one or two three and a half. BetMGM is one of the three and a halves, plus three and a half, minus 15, uh, on taking Miami there. I wouldn't be so quick to to take Minnesota. This game, if you have the look-ahead line, literally two weeks ago before uh, quarterback uh, the quarterbacks went down, Miami was a, a, a you know two and a half point favorite. Now uh, I don't know if that means it's a six points a six point turnaround there. I don't know if any quarterbacks worth six points, but I, I I understand why the move came. It's not just one; it's two. Looking at a, a you know a brand new fresh quarterback that's never really played in the NFL, um, it, this this should be interesting. I wouldn't be looking at. There's still professional football team Miami, and they've, they definitely have played good the first half of the year. Um, well, the first, I guess the first, I want to say the first four or five games, I mean, they played good. I wouldn't be so quick to count them out and see when these guys can get healthy and come back, but I'm definitely taking a hard pass on this game and just seeing what happens. And I, I wouldn't be so quick to even uh, bet Minnesota or Miami this game, maybe just stand on the sidelines and watch. Hey, be sure to check out the new look and features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love. Whether it's live betting, the Daily Lions Boost, or the Cash Out feature, new users can use the code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. All right, definitely check us out. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM Sundays, three hours before kickoff. So let's just use East Coast time, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time, that early kickoff window, three hours with Bill Krakenberger. I'll tell you what, the dude is as sharp as they come. Has all kinds of insight. We have fun. He told a crazy story last week, and he'll have all sorts of picks for you. Also, our guy, Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL veteran. I'm Brian No, I'll be along for the fun as well. So check us out this Sunday for all the Week 6 action.